daily podcast on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Hawkeye Nation, to a Thursday morning episode of the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast, your daily podcast covering your Iowa Hawkeyes on the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, I am your host, Andrew Wade. Excited to be back for another show today. And today's episode is action-packed. We have a lot to cover on today's show. We're going to be breaking down the men's performance versus North Carolina Central. Yes, it wasn't pretty, but there's a lot of interesting things we learned from that game that will carry out potentially throughout the season. We're also going to give you a little bit of a preview for the upcoming game against Alabama State on Friday evening, or sorry, this evening as you're listening to this, uh, Thursday evening, Alabama State men's basketball. We're going to give you a preview of that. We're also going to talk a little bit about Kirk Ferentz's press conference and play a little game of should they stay or should they go as we talk about Iowa football seniors who are potentially declaring for the NFL draft or might stay and use their extra year of eligibility due to the COVID, re- COVID rules and regulations. Before we get into any of that, though, I want to thank you all for making the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast your first listen every single day. You can find the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast for free wherever you get podcasts at and also on YouTube by searching Locked On Hawkeyes. And also, yesterday we did an awesome breakdown with Cody Goodwin of Des Moines Register. If you want to get more information of this Iowa wrestling team as they prepare for this upcoming season, definitely check out that podcast. It was a full episode covering everything Iowa wrestling. It was awesome. And on tomorrow's episode, we're going to be doing a full deep dive into the Iowa-Illinois game. So it should be a lot of fun. A lot of content coming up this next two days. So let's get into it, though. The men struggled a little bit against North Carolina Central. Honestly, it got to the point where you're like, are they really going to blow this thing? Are they really going to blow a bye game? Uh, literally, just days after we saw Missouri lose to UMKC, who we beat pretty handedly last week, I started thinking, is Iowa about to do the same thing? Ultimately, they wouldn't. They won 86-69, to but it was good for the Hawkeyes to go through a little bit of adversity. Uh, they dealt with some foul trouble, which definitely hurt their presence inside. Uh, North Carolina Central did a great job of attacking the basket. Some of the issues we've seen defensively over the years kind of popped up a little bit, and it definitely amplified when Iowa had so much foul trouble. So I want to talk a little bit about that. Philip Bracha was out for a lot of the first half. Joshua Gundelay comes in. He has two fouls in about 55 seconds. He's out for most of the first half. There are times where we had Connor McCaffrey playing the five. Chris Murray was also out as well due to an illness. So we really struggled from a size perspective down low. And North Carolina Central continued to attack the basket. And on top of that, offensively, Iowa couldn't get much going from the perimeter. So some of the takeaways from this game. We've talked about three-point shooting coming into the season, how it was going to be a really important factor and potential risk opportunity for this Iowa Hawkeye offense. We knew Jordan Bohannon could shoot threes. We knew Keegan Murray had a shot, but wasn't hitting them as consistently last year. Peyton Sanford's another guy who can shoot threes. Patrick McCaffrey has gotten better, but we weren't exactly sure how it was going to look during game time. The first game of the season, Iowa looked great shooting the three. This past game, not so much. Jordan Bohannon had an uncharacteristically off night, couldn't hit the broadside of a barn, had a lot of balls that were kind of rimming in and rimming out after he hit his second three or second shot for a three early on in the game. That isn't going to happen every single game, but it does go to show you that Iowa is not this, you know, has some difficulties from an offensive perspective. They don't have 
six or seven guys who can consistently shoot three-point shots. Now, the interesting development of all of this was with Jordan Bohannon struggling, Fred McCaffrey went to his reserves. He brought in Aaron Euless. He brought in Tony Perkins. Aaron Euless had a fantastic game. Tony Perkins also had a fantastic game, hitting two threes, two of three from three, and combining that with three steals, having a career high in points as well. Uh, you like to see Tony Perkins, who is known primarily coming out of high school as a guy who could get to the basket, start developing that outside shot. So whereas some people are looking at it and saying, oh my gosh, this Iowa team can't shoot the three, we're in trouble. I look at it as Iowa does have some other guys who can step up. And ultimately, when things mattered, they were able to get the job done. When Aaron Euless came in, when Tony Perkins came in, the defensive energy got better. Again, that was also a concern last year. This defense, I believe, has a significantly better opportunity to be better than the last couple of years of Iowa basketball teams. But last night was a little PTSD for anyone who's worried about the defense. They will get better. It was just an off night. They struggled a little bit. But another thing I want to talk about in this game is Keegan Murray. Keegan Murray is playing outside of this universe at this point. When everyone saw that Keegan Murray was listed as a potential first-round pick, people were like, who is this guy? He was a sixth man for Iowa last year. I think Keegan Murray is showing you why NBA scouts are so excited about his potential. Why Chad Ford, an NBA draft guy, is so excited about Keegan Murray's potential. Why people are now not just looking at Keegan Murray as a first-rounder, but a potential lottery pick. When you put up 27 points, 21 rebounds, and four block shots, including seven or eight offensive rebounds, that's putting you on the radar. With this game, Keegan Murray bumped up to number two on Ken Palm's National Player of the Year watch list. Now, the big question is, can he keep this up in Big Ten play? Big Ten play is going to be a bit more physical. Those numbers aren't going to come as easy. But as we saw with Luka Garza last year, it's important to see these guys putting up these numbers right now. Keegan Murray clearly has taken over this team. This is Keegan Murray's team. And what we're seeing is pretty darn impressive. It's not the same thing as Luka Garza. You can't compare their games. Two completely different games. But Keegan Murray's game, having him on this team, that could take this team from a potential tournament team to a five seed, a six seed. I mean, Iowa's getting votes for the top 25. Now, if we can see some other guys continue to develop, on nights where Jordan Bohannon has his shot, if Philip Robracha doesn't get in foul trouble, if Patrick McCaffrey is running the court, this team is dangerous. Now, people look at this and they say, wow, we, we did not play well against North Carolina Central. I look at it as I saw some pretty darn good things, and I'm really excited about this Iowa basketball team. Yes, it was an ugly game all around. Defensively, Iowa needs to get better. But all things considered, you have to be appreciative of some of the things that's going on. I also like the fact that Fran was like, you know what? We're not getting it done with Patrick McCaffrey, with Joe Toussaint, and Jordan Bohannon on the court. Screw it. Connor McCaffrey, Tony Perkins, Aaron Euless, you're up. You're playing with Philip Racha and Keegan Murray, and they did a phenomenal job with 13 minutes left in the second half of building a lead for the Iowa Hawkeyes. It's good to see Fran be able to do that and be willing to do that and trust his second team to be able to handle that. And then to see guys like Aaron Euless and Tony Perkins step up. That is a phenomenal backcourt for years to come. Jordan Bohannon, this is his last year. As many, 
as far as as many retire you know retirement jokes and AARP jokes as you can make about Jordan Bannon, he is going to be gone after the season. Joe Tuchel only has two years left. It's important that we see these guys develop, and we saw those guys take a very critical step in their development in that game against North Carolina Central. And you can see that Fran McCaffrey, as he talked about in the offseason, he loves the depth of this team. He loves all 13 guys. He was willing to go to them against North Carolina Central, and that gets me really excited. A couple of other things. You know, why did Riley Mulvey not play at all? I'm interested in hearing that. Joshua Gundelay struggling with foul trouble. That's why it's important to get these guys more time in some of these mop-up games so they can learn and grow and develop. Because as Iowa gets into the Big Ten when you're playing a Hunter Dickinson, a Travion Williams, that's Kofi Coburn, that's tough. Those are tough matchups, and you need Riley and Josh in those situations. Now, small teams can beat teams of big men. Look at what Oregon did to Iowa. But it also helps when you have the ability to match up with those guys at least a little bit and provide that edge to your team. That'll be really interesting as Iowa gets ready for Alabama State, another gimme game that they should be able to easily take care of. We're going to talk about that here in a few short moments. Then we're going to jump to Kirk Ferentz's press conference and play a game of should they stay or should they go. That's all coming up here in a few short moments. But I really want to ask you this. If you've been cooking and you're serious about cooking, why have you not invested in your kitchen tools? Made-ins cookware and kitchenware products are used by thousands of the world's best chefs. I tried one of their pans, and it was amazing. I'm a terrible cook, and my wife always gets mad at me. When I use our other pans, I ruin them. Things get stuck on them. We've had to throw out pans because of how bad I've ruined them and how bad I screwed up the food too. But using made-ins pans, everything's easy. Making the food delicious. Easy to do. Cleaning up, easy to do. Made-in products are professional quality cookware for those who love to cook. They source the finest materials and they partner with renowned craftsmen to make premium kitchen tools available directly to you without the markup. And made-in products are made to last and they offer a lifetime guarantee. So they're good for anyone who can cook like myself. Not a very good cook. I make some stuff pretty poorly. But with the Made-In's cookware, I do a great job. Made-In, better cookware for better meals. And right now, Made-In is offering listeners 15% off your first order with promo code Locked On. This is the best discount available anywhere online for Made-In products. Go to MadeInCookware.com slash Locked On and use the promo code Locked On for 15% off your first order. That's MadeInCookware.com slash Locked On. Use that promo code Locked On. And I want to thank you all for making the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast your first listen every single day. You can find the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast for free wherever you get podcasts at and also on YouTube by searching Locked On Hawkeyes. So let's get into it. The Alabama State game, not a lot to cover here, but I want to make sure that we are breaking it down a little bit. Um, just a reminder or a heads up, I will not be recording a pre a review of the Alabama State game. I'm actually, as you're listening to this, I'm probably packing up because I'm actually heading to Iowa tonight as you're listening to this. I'm going to the Iowa game on Saturday against Illinois. So if you see me, definitely say hi. Excited to meet some of you in person, but I'm not going to be able to cover it because I'm actually going to be pre-recording the Friday episode. Uh, today is, I'm talking Wednesday, so you can listen to it on Friday to get that prepare or preparation for the Iowa-Illinois game. But Iowa is taking on Alabama State. Iowa is now 23rd in Ken Palm, 8th in adjusted offensive efficiency, and 64th in defensive adjusted efficiency. They take on an Alabama State team that is currently 0-4, 
and 336th in the nation, according to Kempom. And Iowa is projected to win 89 to 58. When you look at Alabama State, again, I'm not watching a ton of Alabama State games, so I'm not going to lie to you as if I do. But they don't have a lot of height, and they don't have a lot of experience. So we're going to see a similar game plan from an Iowa perspective. That We're going to see Iowa stay small. We're not going to see a lot of Riley and Josh, although I would like to see more Riley and Josh, again, get into the game, get some experience, get some minutes under them. And so far, Alabama State's an interesting team. They're a relatively solid two-point shooting team, and they've done a good job of eliminating the paint effectiveness from teams. So similar to what we saw against North Carolina Central, Alabama State can make shots in the paint. Can Iowa pick things up and defend a little bit better in this game? I think what's really going to be the difference, though, is we're not going to see as off of a shooting night from Jordan Bohannon. Jordan Bohannon is likely going to get that Big Ten record in this game. Keegan Murray going to continue to be on a tear. He looks like he has something to prove to literally everyone in the entire universe. And against a team, again, that is not very experienced playing at Carver-Hawkeye Arena, this is a great opportunity for Iowa to get their starters out quickly, get the second unit in, get a lot of experience under those guys' belts, and take home a W and a give-me win and a must-easy-win game. Iowa. Iowa versus Alabama State, definitely on tonight. Check that out. We'll give a, a quick review um, on Monday morning show, but we will not be covering that extensively as we just did for Iowa versus North Carolina Central. As we talked about, though, before we took a break, I wanted to talk about Kirk Ferentz's press conference. He had several things to say that I thought were really interesting. First, on the quarterback, the position we we're all curious about, he said, we haven't had that conversation yet. Alex has been running with the ones. We're just trying to get Spencer back in the groove a little bit. He's there mentally, obviously, and just working through some missed time. And he's missed some throws he probably would make. We'll see where he goes. We're really comfortable with both guys. Again, a good problem to have. Brian Ferentz also spoke to the media yesterday and basically said that Alex is the guy you have to go with the hot hand, but they haven't had a discussion as far as who is the starting quarterback long term. When I'm reading between the lines here, unless Alex colossally screws up against Illinois, he will be the starter versus Nebraska, and he will be the starter for Iowa in the bowl game. Going into the offseason, Iowa will have a quarterback competition between Spencer and Alex. Now, we have seen this happen before with C.J. Beathard and Jake Rudock. In that case, Kirk gave out a depth chart pretty early, and Jake Rudock ultimately ended up transferring. This is a very interesting situation that will not be resolved this week. It will not be resolved next week. It will be something that we continue to watch over the next six months. So be on the lookout for that. Kirk did have some high praise for Alex, though. He said, I think he's played with poise for as little as he's played for two games. I think that's been our impression. I was thinking about this a couple of days ago. One of the most impressive things, I think, and it sounds like kind of a routine thing, but his ability to throw the ball away. There were a couple of plays the other day where he threw it away. He was on the scramble or on the move, got outside, and just got rid of the ball instead of taking negative yardage plays. Those are little things. But they're really big. Negative yardage plays, they hit you. It's not only the yards, but there's an emotional tug to that that hits you a little bit. It shows an awareness mentally. I think, too, it's impressive. I'm not shocked because we've been watching it for two years now, working a lot with the offense. I think he's worked hard and paid his dues, and it's showing up with good, solid play out there. So I'm happy about that. There's one thing that's really interesting here. If you've watched any Kirk Ferentz football games, especially this year, Kirk believes and eliminating the negative plays more than he does in creating the positive plays. Even look at his philosophy when Iowa had the ball on the three-yard line. 
Instead of saying, we're going to score against Minnesota and make them score twice to beat us, he said, we're going to play it really safe. And we're just not going to run it at all. We're not going to do anything. We're going to wait, make them waste their time. Waste the timeouts, excuse me. And only give them 40 seconds. He played it conservatively. When you look at Spencer Petras, now a lot of people have been clapping, clapping back at each other on Twitter about Spencer versus Alex. I don't dislike Spencer. When he has time in the pocket, it's awesome. He's a pretty good thrower. But that negative yardage play type stuff is exactly what I'm talking about. Alex Padilla avoided four to five sacks, in my opinion, against Minnesota. He was able to get out of the pocket and throw it away. Spencer Petras has not been able to do that for two reasons. More often than not, he's being even too conservative and tucks it down. Or, and this is the biggest one, he can't get out of the pocket to actually throw it away without being a penalty. Or throwing it away that no one can catch it, but also is kind of a pass that you don't count as intentional grounding. That is a big thing. When Kirk mentions avoiding negative yardage plays, that is a huge advantage to Alex Padilla in this quarterback battle. Kirk is so against the negative play, he risked losing the positive play. And honestly, when he made that comment, I thought, wow, Alex, he is seeing something with Alex, and he likes that more than what he's seeing from Spencer. And that's why Alex is going to keep going on. He avoided those negative plays against Minnesota. In my opinion, he made bigger plays than we've seen Spencer do as well. Again, this is not going to be resolved today. It's not going to be resolved tomorrow. It's probably not going to be resolved after the game versus Illinois, but it's something to continue to watch out for. On the injury front, there was a question about Mason Richmond. He said Mason is really good, making really good progress. He might have a chance next week. We will see. He's upbeat. Every test they've given him, he's able to pass and moving on to the next phase. That's encouraging. If he can make it next week, that would be great. If not, we'll have him at least after that. So we're not seeing Mason in this game. We'll get another game of Jack Plum and Nick DeYoung with possibly Cody Ince backing those guys up. Now, Jack Plum didn't play that bad of a game. I have been hard on Jack Plum throughout his tenure as an Iowa Hawkeye, and especially when seeing him in game time. But he played a solid game against Minnesota, especially against two phenomenal edge rushers. Now, Illinois is going to be another test. They have two great edge rushers, and we're going to be talking about that all on tomorrow's show. Can Jack Plum continue to keep it up? Can Nick DeYoung play a solid football game? Or is Alex Padilla going to need to bail them out a couple times? Either way, if honestly, if we can have kind of a mix of both, I'll be happy. If Nick and Jack can just play average and Alex can take care of the rest, that will be huge in this game. The final quote that I want to talk about that Kirk said, obviously we have to talk about Tyrone Tracy. Um, it was talked about his tweet. He said, yep, I think that's a young guy who wants to help the football team. I think that's his way of expressing it, and it's that common way people express things these days. I've been told. I'm not sure if I understand the part of it, but you know, I'm not interested in understanding it either. Brian Ferentz also talked a little bit about it too, uh, basically kind of blowing it off as a non-issue. That's coach speak. You would expect that to happen. But that's exactly why Kirk didn't want people on Twitter. Airing out your dirty laundry for the world to see is not the way to playing time. And if Keegan Johnson continues to play the way he has, and I have no doubt that he will, and Arlen Bruce continues to make improvements, and Charlie Jones continues to make big-time catches, meanwhile, Tyrone is struggling to get open on routes and is dropping the ball when he is open, this is only the beginning of a story that is not going to end pretty and it's not going to end well. I am a huge Tyrone Tracy fan. I hope Iowa and Tyrone can figure some things out. I hope we can get him a little bit more involved because he does do some really phenomenal things with the ball in his hands. That play that Keegan Johnson made, 
with two guys trying to tackle him. We've seen Tyrell Tracy do that before, early in his career as well. I hope this is not the last we see of Tyrell Tracy. But as that story continues to develop, we'll make sure to cover that all right here on the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. I do want to tell you about betonline.ag because it is my number one spot for all my basketball and football action this season. They are back and better than ever with a new web interface for the start of the basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Betonline.ag has you covered. So head over to their new updated desktop or mobile website, sign up today, and you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. All you need to do is use the promo code LOCKEDON, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, from basketball, football, baseball, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline.ag is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. To this point, we talked about Iowa basketball. We talked about Kirk Ferentz's press conference. Now we're going to get into a little bit of fun. We're going to play the game. Will they stay or will they go? As some of you may know, this upcoming weekend, Iowa versus Illinois, is Senior Day. It is an opportunity for the Iowa seniors who have dedicated the last four, five, sometimes six years to this football program to go out and be honored with their family in front of all of Hawkeye Nation at Kinnick Stadium. It also helps identify and starts that conversation of who may return. Now, a couple things. Juniors, redshirt juniors who have eligibility left, but may be heading to the NFL draft. They have the opportunity to walk as well. And a lot of guys still have an extra year of eligibility despite being a senior, like a Kyler Schott, like a Riley Moss. So it starts begging that question, who's going to stay and who's going to go? Many people are buying into the Tyler Linderbaum thing saying, well, he's not walking, so he has to be coming back. Here's what I would say to that. I don't remember TJ Hawkinson walking. I don't remember several other guys walking either. TJ Hawkinson was the first one that came to my mind. That does not mean that he will not go. TJ Hawkinson had a tough time at deciding whether or not he wanted to stay or go to the NFL. Ultimately, the allure of the NFL, the ability to be a top 10 or a top 15 draft pick, sometimes isn't too hard to pass up. It's a lifetime opportunity. Returning to college, are you really going to improve yourself to move up in the draft, especially at the center position or the tight end position? Tyler Linderbaum is considered a top 15 pick by some media outlets. The very bottom, I say he goes in the first round, the very worst. But you do have name image likeness, and he has gone on record saying he loves Iowa, and he will play at least one year, if not two years. So the decision has not been made by any means. There's a chance Tyler returns. If I had to put it in a percentage, I would say 30% chance he returns. I just don't think you can turn down being a top 15 pick in the upcoming NFL draft. Now, Tyler Goodson, this is an interesting one. I definitely, before the season, thought Tyler was going to go. But I think given where the offensive line is at, given the negative plays he's taken, I think Tyler Goodson will return. Now, granted, as we talked about with LaShawn Daniels, what more does Tyler Goodson need to put on tape? That is going to be the question. If he decides that his stock is not going to get higher, then you have to go, especially as a running back, because so much wear and tear on your body, especially being the starting running back for the last three years. What's going to be really important for Tyler is his testing. Can he run a 4-4-40? That will be huge. What we saw with Akram Wadley, he ran a very, a very bad 40-yard dash and also had some attitude issues, and he's no longer in the NFL. Barely had a cup of tea on a practice squad. 
Tyler Goodson, I would say at this point, is 65% returning. Charlie Jones is walking, but Charlie Jones has the ability to return. Now, Charlie Jones, his best asset to the NFL is his kick and punt return ability. If he can test well, if he can run a 4-4 or even a 4-3-40, he will without a doubt end up in the NFL. And he's shown some really good things on tape as a wide receiver. But right now, I don't think he's any more than a late-round UDFA-type prospect. But does he want to return in a crowded wide receiver room? And especially, do you return when you have concerns about the quarterback position? If I'm Charlie, though, I would return. Get your get yourself a little bit more opportunities from the wide receiver position. Get yourself more tape there. Continue to refine your route running and see if you can't jump up into the NFL draft as opposed to being a UDFA with kick and punt return potential. I give that one probably 80%. Jack Kerner is walking. I think he's done. I think this is his last season. He's ready to take the jump to the NFL. I feel like he's reached his ceiling, right? I mean, what more is he going to be able to do or accomplish or grow at Iowa that he can't do in the NFL? I think Jack Kerner is gone. Kyler Schott, I think, is going to return. He had some high hopes coming into the season. He's a very talented offensive lineman. But with the injury and conditioning, and he's also struggled a little bit, I don't think he's done enough to warrant getting an NFL spot. I see Kyler Schott staying with Iowa this year. And Riley Moss, this is the most interesting predicament that Iowa is currently ha having. Or at least Riley Moss is currently having. Prior to his injury, Matt Miller, NFL draft scout, predicted that Riley Moss would be a top – or day two pick, sorry, excuse me, go in the second or third round. Riley Moss also is going to test well. But now that you know that he has torn his PCL, his PCL is destroyed. Does he want to risk it? He's not going to have a lot of time to rehab that. But obviously he's playing on it, so how does that factor into everything? Now, it's also worth noting that Riley Moss has only been in Iowa for four years. So not only does he have an extra year, but that would kind of align with probably what his anticipated expectations were coming into being an Iowa Hawkeye. Red shirt, play for four years. This would be a huge return for the Iowa Hawkeye secondary. I honestly say it's probably 55-45. It depends on how well he can rehab. If he gets invited to the Senior Bowl, he was definitely on the watch list. I think it's without a doubt he will be invited. But will he be healthy enough? And did the last the last couple of games of game film, is that enough for teams to take a chance on Riley Moss? I could see him returning, especially with this injury, giving him an opportunity to rehab, come back next year, potentially be a Big Ten defensive back of the year being All-American, he was on that path. But with being out for a couple of games, I don't think that's the, the case anymore. So Riley Moss is a really interesting case. And if he returns, that would be huge to the Iowa Hawkeyes. That is our game of will they stay or will they go. Coming up on tomorrow's show, we'll be breaking down everything, Iowa versus Illinois. So be on the lookout for that. I do want to remind you, tomorrow we are going to be talking about Iowa and how to bet on Iowa versus Illinois. But if you want to bet on other games around the country, Check out the Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. They get you everything, three to four to five picks a day that you should be betting on at betonline.ag. So tune in to that. I want to thank you all for tuning in to today's episode of the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. Have a fantastic Thursday, y'all. And as always, let's go Hawks.